0: So, I'll start off by asking you to turn to John 15. John 15. I want to read to you uh, verse 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. That's the gospel. That's the good news. Amen. The Father is well pleased with his only begotten Son, The Son loves us, incredible, so we should love him in return and continue in that love. There is no greater example in the universe of love than Jesus Christ. He is the perfect bridegroom. I really want to focus in on that metaphor of us as his bride. The thing about love is that true love is shown through actions, it's very obvious. I, uh, I'd like us to think about how much greater of a lover Christ is than the very best spouse down here through the five love languages. If we look at what the Bible tells us about our Savior, we will find that Jesus uses each of these five better than anyone else down here to show us His love. Amen. So in case you don't know, the five love languages are the different ways that love can be shown. And they include quality time, words of affirmation, gifts, physical touch, and acts of service. Think about Jesus Christ in light of those five. Can you think of how he's done those for you? So once we see his love from the Bible, and we'll look at some verses that show that, I then want to give us some tips for how we can increase our love for him in return using those same five. But before we get there, though, let's talk about Jesus' love for us. I'll start with quality time. That means spending time with someone, and this is important, <laughs> while giving them your focused and undivided attention. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Ghost, is always there for you That's right. and always totally focused on you. You always have his full attention. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest mine down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off thou compassest my path and my lying down and aren't acquainted with all my ways. Many of us love our Lord's divisibility. Well, that's what this is. He is always with us and completely focused and attentive to all of us all at once. No one else can do that. He's omnipresent and omniscient. He's never unavailable or unwilling to have quality time with you. He wants to walk with us. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Amen. Psalm 34.15, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. It's wonderful. I'll move on to words of affirmation. That's saying things that make the other person feel appreciated and wanted. Jesus wrote you a love letter. The Bible. Amen. It tells us that Jesus loved you before the world began and will love you until eternity. Mm-hmm. It tells us each one of his saints are his special object of love.
1: Right.
0: The apple of his eye. Psalm 45, says, So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. He does not love you because you did something or are something, he loves you because he chose to love you and has made you beautiful. Yes. You know, many people say they want a spouse that will love them for who they are, but get this, Jesus loved us in spite of who we are right. and beautiful. what we are Amen. and gave himself to make us lovely and beautiful.
2: That's right.
0: You're in John 15 right now. The verses following verse 9 are precious. I, I would love to go through them with you, but I don't have time. My summary of them is just... I love you. Now go and love each other. So I'll move on to gifts. That's a visual symbol of love. Where do I even begin on this point? <laughs> what gifts has Christ given you? And let's start with a new heaven and a new earth coming one day, a mansion, a crown of glory, white robes, a glorified body. But before we even get there, though, he's given us tremendous gifts here in, on earth. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, mm-hmm. with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Yes. Romans eight thirty two. He that spared not his own son, but delivered a, him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things?
2: Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Yes. That's 2 Corinthians. Okay, so next is physical touch. This can be simple, something as simple as a brush on the arm or shoulder, a hug, or holding someone's hand. Now, of course, Jesus is in heaven and on the throne, and we're here on earth. But, so for right now, he's not able to literally touch us But yet, but it won't be long. Mm-hmm. Think about it like this. Think about a loving husband going off to war, winning the war, and then returning to his doting bride. What would be happening in that airport terminal? Our Jesus is coming back for us soon. He certainly showed his disciples he, he, he enjoyed touching and hugging on his disciples. You know, John laid on his bosom. He caught Peter's hand at sea. I love that story. He even washed the disciples' feet. That's a lot of intimate touching there, washing dirt off. And, you know, I want to be too careful. I want to be careful not to get too creative or outside the Bible on this point. But, you know, have you ever felt so close to the Lord that through his spirit, he was, it's like he was there holding your hand or hugging you? It's one of the ways love is shown, and He's excellent at it. And one day we'll get to realize that to the fullest. So the final love language is an act acts of service. An act of service is helping someone or doing something for another person. Is there any greater act of service in history than Jesus dying on the cross for your sins? Incredible. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. It's John 15, 13. He's seated on the right hand of God interceding for you right now. An incredible act of service. We need that. He's preparing a place for you. How many things has he done for you here on earth? How many supernatural connecting of the dots Has he already done for each one of us in all areas of our life? Incredible. Thank you, Lord. So that's the five love languages, and that's Jesus' love for us. I want to switch gears now and think about how how we can love him in that same light of using those same five. You know, one of our goals this year should be to increase in our love for Christ. We should want to be the most passionate, loving bride for Christ that we can be. The foundation of our practical relationship with Christ is our obedience to His commandments. I have to start here. And that makes sense. If a husband asked his wife to do something, and she constantly disobeyed him, would that wife's touch, gift, act of service, quality time, or whatever be nearly as meaningful? No, it would be tainted and annoying, right? right. So let's, let's look at something. Turn to Psalm 119 for me real quick. I want to read a few verses from there. Psalm 119. Just verse one: "Blessed are the undefiled in the way, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep His testimonies, and that seek Him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in His ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. O oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed. When I have respect unto all thy commandments, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes, O forsake me not utterly. I could keep reading for a long time in 119, but I think you get the point. We need to obey God's commandments. This is how a true lover of God prayed, what we just read Lord God, keep us in the way. One other thing before I move on is that what I want to remind us of is that the Lord considers any act or words that we say to other children of God as words or acts towards Him. If we want to love God more, then we should love the brethren more. Right. I'm going to read two, verse, two passages, 1 John four twenty. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen?
2: That's right.
0: And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. And then another passage, Matthew 25, Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungry and fed thee, or were thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer, and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Wow. So as we're going through these five love languages, be thinking about how we can apply them to God and to others. So I'll start again with quality time. Some of the best times, this is anecdotal, but some of the best times I've ever had in my life have been spending time with the Lord while reading His Word and delighting in Him. You know, sure, we have busy lives, but... You know, we make plans for date nights with boyfriends or girlfriends or spouses, right? Why not the Lord? Amen. Let's show the Lord we love Him by spending more time with Him and giving Him our undivided attention. He, Again, He wants us to walk with Him. You know, do we also give our time and attention to other saints? Maybe even people we wouldn't ordinarily be best friends with? Let's do it. Words of affirmation. Again, that's saying things that make the other person feel appreciated and wanted. Do you tell the Lord things we would say to get a spouse or love on a spouse? Things like, I love you. You're amazing. There's no one else I want but you. You're perfect for me. I'll do anything for you or give you anything. Let's tell the Lord more things like that. Amen. He certainly deserves it more than anyone else down here does. Gifts, a visual symbol of love. What are some great gift ideas for the Lord? What about giving up something precious that causes you to sin? Give it to Him. You know, and there's also monetary gifts for saints in need. You know, that would be a gift to the Lord. Those are a couple of my ideas, but think of some. Think of some. The Lord sees and loves your gifts to Him. Matthew nineteen twenty nine says, And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. Physical touch. Do we think about fighting for floor space around the feet of Christ one day, so we can kiss his feet when he comes back? I sure do. Do we think about getting to hug him one day? Do we tell him these things? Lord, I can't wait until you get back so I can get to hug you and thank you. You know, I think we do a good job of this for the most part, but you know, do we show our affection for the brethren by hugging on each other?
2: Right.
0: You know, this is I've heard someone say this and I appreciate it. Use car salesmen shake hands, brothers and sisters hug. <laughs> Just a thought. So the final one, acts of service. You know, we've heard we've heard this before. How often do we serve Christ by serving others sacrificially? I just wanted just want to remind us. Let's follow Christ's example. We're doing it for him. He washed feet and even laid down his life. So let's lay down our lives for each other. Let's serve each other. You know, we have the perfect bridegroom again. He is the best lover. That, that verse I opened up with, John 15, 9. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Let's continue in his love and not forget about him or disappoint him. Come quickly, Lord Jesus.
2: Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Brother Nathan. It's a privilege to stand before you today.
1: It's intimidating in a good way because there's a lot of faces, a lot of hearts, a lot of minds that are... I'm going to see and hear what uh, the Lord has put on my heart to present to you today, but uh, it's a great opportunity to share what the Lord has put on my heart to, to give to you. In the next few minutes, I want to give you control of your life. And I don't say that quickly or with any less intention than what it means. I plan to give you control of your life in the next few minutes. There's a battle going on, and it's all around us, and truthfully, it's inside us more than anything. And it's the battle of your heart. I've tried, and the Lord knows, to distance myself to an extent from the retreat that happened three weeks ago when it came to this presentation, and the Lord won't let me do it. So as I embarked on other uh, opportunities to, to speak... And other things to speak on, the Lord said, nope, this is what it's going to be. And he continued to press on me some things that I want to share with you today. We did embark on a retreat three weeks ago that concluded uh, three weeks ago yesterday. And on that retreat, we spent the time in our devotions talking about the heart. To start, I'd like to ask you if in 2019, would you like to see God? Do you want to see God in 2019? Is that a pretty good New Year's resolution for 2019? Well, when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he gave us a very simple verse, and it said that you can see God, and it will be those of a pure heart that will be allowed to see him. So I want to talk to you today about a pure heart so that we all might see God, not only in 2019, but in that great day that our brother Daniel just told us about when we can truly see him with our eyes. I want to talk to you about the importance of the issue of the heart, the problem of our heart, and then the solution that can be obtained for our hearts. So the importance, the heart's mentioned over 850 times in our King James Version, In in the the book of Proverbs alone, 78 times. In the book of Ecclesiastes, another 32 times. Just by the prevalence of the word, we should see the importance that the Lord places on the heart. Mm -hmm. It starts in uh, the first few chapters of Genesis. We see the Lord looked down from heaven, and the heart of man was wicked continually in the thoughts of his heart. And even down through the latter chapters of Revelation, we see the Lord seeing the hearts of his people. So we got to discuss quickly what the heart is, and I don't mean the the fleshy, uh, fist-size, couple-pound thing, muscle in your chest, although that's what we usually would associate when we hear the word heart. But no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the heart that we're born with, and it's not a physical heart. It's a natural heart, and that natural heart is the apparatus that controls every emotion and decision that we face in life. And it's a very real thing. And any of us that are honest with ourselves know that we battle that heart day in and day out every day of our lives. We must understand a little bit about the physical heart to understand the natural and the spiritual heart. It's said that you can be brain dead and still have a heart that beats and you are alive. But what happens when you're heart dead? You're dead dead. And when our hearts are dead in our physical bodies, we are dead. And when our hearts are dead in our spiritual bodies, we are dead. The heart is the foundation of our being. It is truly the essence of your actions. Nothing you do can be done without your heart being a part of it. No matter the actions that you take or the words that you say, all stem from your heart. If you can control your heart... You can control your life. It's that simple. Proverbs 4.23 was our theme verse on the retreat, and it summarizes the, the state of our heart, the, natural, the uh, physical state of our heart being coupled with our uh, spiritual heart. And it's a contrast that we'll look at in just a moment using Jeremiah 17. But Proverbs 4.23 reads, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So you can control your life. If you can control your heart. On another point, when it comes to controlling your heart, you can actually control your health. I'm not sure if you uh, have ever heard of a sermon, uh, a quick sermon that was preached by our pastor called "Take Your Medicine." Yep. And that sermon went through several proverbs that talks about if you can control your heart, you can control your physical health. You can have a merry heart, and that will do good for your countenance. That will do good for your health. A neat study is something, called, uh, something on, uh, called psychomatic illnesses, psychosomatic illnesses, and it's not for today, but if you were to do a little bit of research on that, you can find out that even natural men have found out that if you can control parts of your physical heart, you can actually control your health. How much more our spiritual heart if we control it? Your heart is talking all the time, and it's talking to you even right now. Through the next few minutes, I want to tell you that you can dictate what it's saying if you'll control it. All right, here's the problem. There's a war going on within us right now, even as you sit. You're you're tired, you're fatigued, the sun's not as shining, as bright outside as it could be. There's things going on this afternoon. You've got a busy week in front of you. 2019 stands before you. All of these things are in front of you, and therefore your natural heart is going 100 miles an hour right now. If you're a child of God and you've been regenerated, your spiritual heart is also going 100 miles an hour right now. And you're fighting. You're fighting with everything you've got to control that natural heart inside you. Not your physical heart, your natural heart. Let's turn to Jeremiah 17, and I want to read a couple of verses to highlight the problem that we have. Jeremiah 17, most of us could probably quote Jeremiah 17, 9, but I want to read you verses 9 and 10. Jeremiah 17, verses 9 and 10. Here's what's going on inside you with your natural heart that you were born with. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And to emphasize the importance of this subject, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. That should highlight the point of how important your heart is. Each child of God has two hearts, maybe two parts of one heart. You're born with a natural heart that is bent on sinning. It has an innate ability to find sin. Your spiritual heart, when the Lord revives it by regeneration, wants to do what's right, fights often to do what's right, finds itself in a war against that natural heart. There's a traitor inside you. There is something inside you that is constantly fighting what you know to be right and what you know to do. Sadly, the world tells you to follow your heart. It's a common saying. Turn with me to Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six, and let's see what the Lord says about following your heart. And at this point, we're just trying to establish the problem that we have to deal with when it comes to our heart. So do we follow our heart? Let's see. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says... He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. So that should debunk that myth of whether we should follow our heart or not. However, we should follow our heart if we've given it to the Lord and he is allowed to lead it. It's been said to look out for number one. Sure, you can look out for number one. As soon as you give your heart to the Lord and he becomes number one, then you can look out for number one. We look out in the world and we wonder at some of the wickedness that we see around us. But Romans 1 does a great job of explaining to us that the wickedness we see out there could be caused by even us. We could be involved in it if the Lord were to turn us over to our own hearts. It's been said the heart is an anti-conscience. So your conscience is constantly wanting to do what's right, but our natural heart fights that conscience daily to do what is wrong. When we get to the solution, I want to talk about your heart as a home. The heart is a home. It's it's where the emotions and decisions stem from. The problem is, is that we've all filled our hearts with junk. We've filled it so full there's no room for anything else in our heart. Our home has been packed, every room of it, with the cares and concerns of this life to the point where you can't fit anything else in there. The Lord may be speaking to you, to come in and to sup with you and to be in a relationship with you, but you filled your heart so full there's no room for. Sadly, we believe that we're the best interior decorators out there. And so we've decided that we know what fits in our home best. Sadly, as we've just read, we know worst what fits in our home. And so we have filled it with things that we believe to be very worthy. And yet they are the most unworthy things that should ever be filling a heart. You can accomplish nothing with a partial heart. You have to have a dedicated, full, and entire heart going after the Lord in order to accomplish those things that are before you. There is no room for anything else in your heart when it comes to serving the Lord and doing what he's told us to do. So let's talk about the solution. I want to keep the solution as simple as possible. And truthfully, it is simple. We are to keep. You are to keep your heart. You are to protect your heart. You are to guard your heart. You ought to clean your heart. You ought to fill your heart with things that are good for it. Success in life is being proactive. Sadly, the world around us is reactive to everything. It's all about how you react. And there's a place for reacting after you've been proactive to prepare your heart in a way that you can react correctly. I want to give you a simple three-step solution on how to keep your heart. During the retreat, we spent much time on describing the heart and how it works, both the physical heart and how the natural heart fights us and how the spiritual heart can help us, but we didn't spend nearly enough time on the how. How do we actually go about this keeping, this protecting, this guarding of our heart? Again, I want to make this simple. Sadly, the enemy of completion is complication. We don't get things done because we have complicated things so much that we don't have the energy or the time to go through and actually complete anything. Being a melancholy of sorts, sadly being a cleric melancholy together, I find that to be the case too often. New Year's resolutions quickly fade because I have complicated them so much that by February I can't remember the complicated scenario that I'd put together. I want to keep this simple for you for 2019, and how to keep your heart and one day be ready to see the Lord. Three steps. First step, you've got to empty the house. If your house is your heart, you've got to empty your, your house. You've got to clean it out. Psalm 58.3 highlights this for us to know what we've got to get out of the house. Psalm 58 and verse three reads, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. You have within you a house filled with dirt and dust, and it's going to corrode who you are if you don't empty those things out. Here comes the problem with emptying the house. Each of us has a white-knuckled grip, a lock-iron grip on something in your house. Maybe it's the end table that Grandma gave you. Maybe it's the couch that was such a great deal a few years ago. Each of us, at some point in time, has something that we are not willing to give to the Lord. We ought to have open hands when it comes to the Lord. If you can't, in prayer, tell the Lord that your hands are open before Him, then you are holding on to something, and He will tear it from your grip. If you're a child of God, if He doesn't come to get it from your grip, you might question whether you are a child of God, but truthfully, you'll never question it because you won't care. But as face answereth to face and water, so the heart of man to man, so I can speak clearly and confidently to each of you, that you will at some point in time have something that he will come for in your heart. Give it all to him. Open your heart to him. The first thought that I had after the Lord gave me this, this point was, everything must go. Everything truly must go. You have got to get down to the bare essentials of your life, and get everything out of your heart that shouldn't be there. And the best way to do that is just get everything out of your heart, and he will fill it back in with the things that need to be there. James 1.8 is a great verse to highlight this. James 1.8 reads, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you have anything else in your heart but the Lord and his things, you are double-minded. That's the definition, is 2 things are causing you to be blind to one of the other things. We have a problem with that one thing, don't we? I know each of you right now is thinking, there's something, there's something at some point in time, or you know something at some point in time in the future that is going to be that one thing for you. Again, as face answers with the face, so the heart of man to man, I know it about myself and therefore I can be confident about you. If you give it up to the Lord, he will take care of you and he will help you. Have those open hands. James 4.8 says, Draw an eye to God, and he will draw an eye to you. Cleanse your hands, ye you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye you double-minded. You have got to empty the house. Get it clean. Sweep it, dust it, vacuum it. Do whatever you've got to do to make sure that you're starting, you're starting from fresh. Envy is very possibly the number one problem for our hearts. And envy is a big word for a lot of little problems that we have in our hearts. But envy is <clears throat> rottenness of the bones. Envy will destroy you. And from envy comes things like pride, discontentment, frustration, anger, malice. All of those things can, can be derived from envy. Search your heart for envy and empty it. Take out the garbage. It's been said that if you let something fester in the corner of the garage long enough, it'll stink up the whole house. Right. Don't stink up your house. Go figure out what's there, clean it out, start afresh. That was point one. Point two, in this simple approach to helping you keep your hearts, you've got to refurnish your house. Once you've cleaned it, once it's ready to go, you've got to furnish it. God's Word is the number one way to furnish your house. There is no questions asked. There is no close number two. You've got to get into God's Word. Psalm 37, 15 Psalm thirty-seven fifteen tells us. Excuse me, I've got the wrong verse there. If we go to Psalm one nineteen eleven, some of the verses just after where Daniel had read to us, we see that we can cleanse our way by taking heed according to God's word. Psalm one nineteen eleven. Excuse me. Psalm one nineteen nine is another great verse on this subject. And Psalm one nineteen in general gives us many of these, these rules, but Psalm one nineteen nine says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. And that can be young man or young woman, or truthfully, older man or older woman. Right. You can cleanse your way. You can take heed according to God's word and refurnish your house. We have to hide God's word in our heart. The words don't really matter. Okay, the words and in, in the, the, each individual word of the King James Bible for this point don't really matter. What matters is, are those words finding a resting place inside you? Have they been seared into your heart so that you can recall them when needed? Just having the words on your lips will only get you in trouble because then you'll go out and you'll make promises and you'll say things that you can't back up by your life. So you've got to hide God's word in your heart. Here's the problem when it comes to God's Word, and we heard a little bit about this last week when Brother Chris presented his psalm to us. We can go to the nearest dollar store and pick up a Bible. The problem with that is that Bible becomes worth a dollar to us, and it needs to be worth a whole lot more than that. You know how important God's Word would be to you if it took two and a half weeks' worth of wages for you to secure God's Word? It'd become worth two and a half half weeks' worth of wages. That's what it would be worth to you. Sadly, it's just not the case. We can download a free app on our phone and flip through verses that people in times past would have paid dearly to have any of those verses. And we've discounted them and turned them into a, to, to being worth only a dollar. You've got to furnish the house by talking to God. We heard that a little bit from, from Brother Daniel again. You have got to have an open dialogue with the Lord. If you don't talk to him, how is he going to talk to you? He may tell you things, but if you don't respond correctly, he will stop talking to you. I know this is a a favorite of, of many, but this is absolutely part of refurnishing your house, and it's Psalm 4. Psalm 4, verse 4 says, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Stop. Think through what was just said. Do we actually take time to do that? We have to refill the house. The house will be refilled with something, and if you don't proactively find the furniture that needs to be in your house, the Lord will not be there with you, and you will find something else to to fill the space. It's inevitable. The heart has to be filled with something, and so you have to make sure that you're proactive in filling it. The greatest enemy in doing this is our pride. We fight against this thinking, again, that we are the best people to decide what goes in our house, and we have got to put that down. Thirdly, we've got to keep the house clean. You've cleaned the house out, you've refurnished it with the things that need to be there, but there's a daily proactivity that we have to be involved in. Self-examination is that daily activity. You have got to have time to pray to the Lord and have Him examine you to show you what things are creeping back into your house. Psalm 73, in verse 26, Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. You have got to make that a daily prayer for you. If not, the dust and garbage of, of life will creep back in and start to erode your home. You've got to take intention to look within. You've got to make that a daily part of your life. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If Whatever you think about and desire is going to eventually fill your heart again. So you've got to think about and desire the Lord. The Bible says to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And so you've got to daily, if not more often, constantly be talking to the Lord to keep this stuff out of your life. One of the greatest enemies of your heart is is going to be the relationships that you find yourself in. There may not be anything greater when it comes to the practicality of our lives and the people that we meet as to what will destroy your heart quicker. Mm -hmm. If you let a relationship start to take root, it is very difficult to undo. And it becomes the contaminant that will ruin you. It will slowly creep its way in and eventually take over your heart and you won't even know that it's happened. Every relationship must be guarded very closely. The great thing about relationships is we need them. The Lord put us in a church. The Lord made us in many ways gregarious people, and we want to be around other people. So you need to pick good relationships that will help you guard your heart. Don't let one of those relationships in time corrode and eventually contaminate your heart, and therefore you're back to having to start over again. Let's not do it. Don't overcomplicate the issue. I hope that I haven't today. We can't let complication get in in the way of completion. There's not time to go over the four temperaments, but each temperament hears a a message like this and reacts in one of four ways. You need to think about what temperament you are and therefore how you're reacting. Quickly, a cleric discounts it, sanguins minimize it, phlegmatics overanalyze it, and melancholies overcomplicate it. We all have a tendency to, one of those four, know which one you are and know how to fight back against it. However, if you will embrace it, you control your life. The Bible says that we can see God if we do this. If we learn to react correctly, we get to dictate the outcomes of our lives. Each one of you is going to be faced with a series of events, some having already happened, some happening now, and some that will happen. If you protect your heart and keep it as you want, you get to dictate the outcomes by how you react to each and every one of those events. If we will do this, then we'll be able to control our emotions, reign in our speech, give health to our life, and cause the great God of heaven to favor our cause. Let 2019 be the year we see God.
2: Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, brethren, we've had...
2: Two wonderful messages this morning. We'll be ending in just a moment, sooner than we normally would. Let's take some time to greet one another, to talk to one another, see how the week has gone for one another, but especially to think about with one another the things we've just heard. Our brother Daniel talking about the five love languages and the different aspects of how the Lord Jesus Christ loves us what he's done for us what can we do to turn it around and love him just like he's loved us remember brethren by his grace we are called the most glorious title of any being outside of him in this universe we are the sons of god are we showing forth that nature do we show the nature of Jesus Christ? Because when we see Jesus Christ, we see every aspect of God in him, his words, his actions, everything. So let's think about that one with another. Let's talk about it. And what, and what Brother Nathan just talked about, our hearts. How are we going to keep our hearts better this year? You know, brethren, I hope you don't mind, but... One of the things I'm sure if he'd had time, Nathan would mention, one of the ways that you can do that is by committing to other people. You know, goals are great to have. Goals are wonderful. But goals get magnified in their effectiveness when you share them with somebody else. So let's think about these things. Let's talk. Let's utilize the resource that God's given us. This congregation. The brothers and sisters in this room. Let's, let's talk to them, and let's think about these things in the time we have before the second service, so we don't let these precious truths slip from us, and we can go ahead and be applying them. Please join me in standing. Oh, God and our Father, as always, you are so good and so kind to us, far better than we deserve. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the things that we've heard this day. Whether it be the great deliverance that you've wrought for us that you didn't for some of our brethren in the past, as our brother Adam pointed out. Or, Lord, the wonderful things about how well you have loved us and how we should love you, as brother Daniel said. Or how we should keep our heart, as Nathan has said. Lord, please, these are precious truths. We don't want to forget them. Help us, Lord, to retain them. Help us, Lord, to be committed to changing our lives this day for your glory and honor. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that our pastor and sister, Sherry, have to be away from us at this time. Lord, please bless their time together. Make it be very precious and sweet. Lord, reward them greatly for the heavy diligence and effort that they place every day into the lives of all the members of this congregation. Reward them, Lord, greatly for it. Our brother has goals and desires he wants to accomplish while he's gone, so Lord, bless him that he might be able to do these things and still have time for some rest and for some time just to be, to enjoy you, Lord, to enjoy his wife, and to enjoy the wonderful life that you have given us. Lord, we are so thankful for the food that's been prepared for us and the opportunity we have to fellowship one with with another at this time. Lord, please bless our words, bless our thoughts, that they would be beneficial for one another and that it would be a pleasure and a glory and a beautiful sacrifice in your nostrils at this time. For we ask these things in the glorious, beautiful name of our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May he be magnified and glorified. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.